It is 10 p.m. January 11th. We are across from the Sheraton Hotel in Chicago. It's been a long travel day from California. We're coming here for CubsCon, but we're talking tonight. Madeline and I are talking tonight. Hi. Say hi. Say hi. About Michael Bush and Yancy Almonte and the trade that the Cubs made with the Dodgers. <laughs> Hey, what's up, Setup Nation? Coming to you real raw and uh, just having fun here in Chicago. Uh, just flew in with my family, my wife, my daughters, you just saw or heard. Uh, just want to say thank you for all the support. We've been getting tons of new engagement, subscribers, shares, everything on YouTube and the podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you are dropping a comment. If you're watching on the YouTube channel, if you're listening on the podcast, please, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps a ton. We are excited to be here for our first ever CubsCon, which is really just something that ever since I was a kid, I've been wanting to do. And so now I get to bring my daughter, I get to bring my wife, and we were excited to see Christopher Morrell, but we just found out today that he's not going to be here anymore. Maybe a weather thing, hopefully not a trade thing. We'll see. Uh, but really what I'm talking about today is the Michael Bush and Yancy Almonte trade what did the Cubs give up? What is the upside? What are they losing? You're going to hear a lot of that. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're all, we're just in our, our hotel room. So you're going to hear my daughter. You're going to hear some things. And I hope you're okay with that because I'm doing my best to just bring a little bit more of a breakdown of this trade. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm going off my, my notes here, by the way, check out the new, the new, uh, phone cover. Pretty cool. Huh? Got that on Amazon for like 19 bucks setup man uh logo there um all right so literally we were getting this news as we were boarding this flight to chicago so that first of all was just like whoa i'm about to lose internet service and what am i going to do here um the funny thing about this trade if you didn't see now the dodgers have both a ferris and a bueller because they have walker bueller and now they have jackson ferris who they got from the cubs in this trade so hey ferris bueller and he went to a Cubs game in that movie. So like, you know, you have to have that tie, right? Uh, so the reason that the Dodgers made this move is basically that they wanted to free up some room on their 40 man roster after they got Teoscar Hernandez. The deal is pending. According to Ken Rosenthal, the deal is pending. So Jackson Ferris and uh, Zaire hope going to the Dodgers, the Cubs getting again, Michael Bush and Yancy Almonte, who we'll talk a little bit more about here in a second, but it is pending a medical review. And I'm just kind of cracking up here because now this is deal number two in three days after the Shota Imanaga signing. Like we've been waiting how many days during all of the off season. And now these deals start to happen. And, you know, I'm sure Jed has so much going on in the background. So I'm sure because he plays everything so close to the best, right? He's not going out there and saying like, here's everything we're going for. Here's all the things that we're promising to have before you know, the start of the spring training and no GM really, or president of operations should really be doing that just to be able to make sure that they're not throwing themselves under a bus. But at the same time, he's especially close to the vest. And for that reason, you, you expect that things are going on behind the scenes, but then you start to see our name with the Marlins, right. And how we're the only ones that have never have not done a deal this off season. And you're just like, what, what's, when are we going to actually get something here and you almost start to feel jinxed or like you have the yips a little bit in the off season. And that's kind of how I felt with the Cubs. Like, are we going to do something or was Craig council just assigning to try and like go low budget on everything. And so as we're seeing, right, 
Imanaga signing 53 million for four years with the opportunity to get to 80 million. And now with these deals happening, the Cubs are looking to make some serious moves. And so, um, you know, I want to analyze, first of all, Michael Bush, because this was the exciting thing. First of all, if you didn't see the trade rumors started coming through and it was just Yancy Almonte. Okay, cool. Whatever. You know, he's, he's a six inning, seven, maybe seventh inning reliever at best right now in his career. But then Michael Bush comes through and so many Cubs fans have been wondering like, Hey, this guy, third baseman, first baseman, a little bit of second base too. He doesn't have a home with the Dodgers because they just signed Max Muncie to a long-term deal. They have Freddie Freeman. Where's this guy going to play? So bring him over to the Cubs and we got our wish. Right. And so, so that's extremely exciting. So a little bit about Michael Bush. Uh, he is 26 years old. So he is on the older side, but he's the number 44 overall ranked prospect according to mlb.com he's six one and he plays third base and first base he was a first round draft pick for the dodgers back in 2019 he's getting comparisons i just mentioned max muncie he's getting comparisons to max muncie mainly because he's got crazy good power from the left hand side he plays third base he's got a similar uh build and uh, he doesn't play defense very well, kind of like Muncie, you know, just an average, slightly below average third baseman. But one th one thing that I was really excited to see, because I'm like, I don't, I don't know about you, but I'm not a huge like Max Muncie and that kind of player fan where it's like bat 200, it was like a Schwarber type, right? Bat 200 and hit 34 to uh, 35 to 40 home runs, but strike out every other at bat. That's just not my favorite. That doesn't entertain me a whole lot. And that really gives me a lot of anxiety, especially with guys on third base, less than two outs. I don't like a lot of those guys in the lineup. And especially with Morrell already there, you've got guys like Owen Casey coming up. I don't want a whole lot of strikeouts. So that's what I was worried about. But it turns out that Michael Bush is just a better overall hitter. And that's the upside of Michael Bush compared to Max Muncie. And some numbers here for you. In his minor league career, 283 batting average, 79 home runs. This is in 1,300, just under 1,400 at bats, a 919 OPS. I love that. 23 in, year, uh, in the 2023 season, in 98 games for AAA, he hit 323, 27 home runs in 98 games, 90 RBIs, and a 1,049 OPS. That's the fourth in the, or sorry, and he had the fourth overall in the minors slugging percentage for those that qualified. And he improved his K rate this last year to 18.8. His walk rate is also almost 14 point, uh, uh, 14%. So this guy walks, he's got a better eye than he did a few years ago when he was striking out a little bit more. And now he's on the Cubs. And so the question for me, and by the way, he did play for the Dodgers, uh, made his debut this last year, 72 at bats, kind of a Mervis situation. Uh, 167 batting average, two home runs, didn't really give a, get a fair handshake. So we're going to go into this in a little bit. Is he the starting opening day, third baseman, first baseman? We'll see. Okay. And then we'll speed through Yancey Almonte, uh, 29 years old, average fastball, right around 96 miles an hour. He throws a sweeper 50% of the time. He started his career in Colorado, but played for the Dodgers the last two years. His best season of his career in his six year career was in 2022 with the Dodgers, 102 ERA, just 35 and a third innings pitch, but still 102 ERA. That's legit. Uh, also had a decent 2020, but aside from that, uh, really just has not been that effective, including last year, 506 ERA in 48 innings pitch. Uh, walks close to four per nine innings. Now, a little bit of bad luck potentially because his hard hit rate is in the 91st percentile, according to Baseball Savant. 
And his expected ERA, according to also baseball savant, was 433. So potentially uh, just maybe ready for a better season. You know, 433, I'm still not stoked about that, but maybe the front office sees an opportunity for Tommy Javi and the crew to come in and say, hey, you know, we can help you bring down the walks. Let's take that down instead of four per nine. Let's bring it down to three, and you don't have to work around so many uh tough, uh, tough innings. Who knows? Maybe, maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe it was just a thing that they said, Hey, we want Michael Bush, but the Dodgers said, you got to take Yancy Almonte with it. Who knows? But on the other side, what the Cubs gave up, let's talk about that for a second. And then we'll get into maybe where Michael Bush fits in here in the 2024 team. Jackson Ferris fan graphs has him as the number 17 Cubs prospect MLB.com number eight. Ferris was a second round pick in 2022. He's a 6'4 left-handed pitcher, and he's just turned 20 years old. So there's some, by the way, are comparing him to Blake Snell, uh, but with better mechanics. And in his first season with single-A Myrtle Beach, 77 strikeouts in 56 innings, a 338 ERA. So you look at a guy like this, and this was really when you look at Twitter and you look at the all the breakdowns of this out there, this really was the guy of the deal. Zaire Hope. He looks like he could be good too, but Jackson Ferris was the guy. And, you know, I mean, when you are getting already at the age of 19, 20 years old compared to Blake Snell, but with better mechanics, you know, that, that could be something that two, three years down the road, the Cubs are like, dang, really wish we didn't give him away. But if Michael Bush turns out to be a great addition, then who cares? At the same time too. You've got a guy in Ferris that has a ton of upside, uh, only very, very young, whereas Michael Bush is 26 years old. And if, you know, Ferris, which, you know, this is what the Dodgers are really good at. They're good at loading up their farm system two, three, four years out. They're playing chess while some are only out there playing checkers. And so for that reason, this, this is kind of a cool way to just look into the Dodgers and how they do things and how they say, hey, we're okay with giving up Michael Bush, who is the number 44 prospect in all of baseball because we don't need him because we're already so stacked that we'll get a guy that could potentially be one of the top left-handed pitchers in baseball. And if that happens, good for Jackson Ferris, but also ouch for the Cubs. Uh, and then Zaire Hope, 11th round in 2023. He's six foot tall center fielder and turn, just turned 19 years old as well. Or sorry, he's about to turn 19 years old. Uh, in 35 games in Myrtle Beach, he had three home runs and had a 962 OPS uh, said to have via a few different breakdowns from Cubs front office guys, a sweet left-hand swing that can produce a lot of power. And so, you know, a, a guy who seems to have power seems to be, and once again, a very crowded outfield picture of prospects with the Cubs, probably not a big deal that we're getting rid of a guy like Zaire Hope, but who knows? Uh, again, very, very young, could turn back and say, Ugh, wish we would have had that guy. But here's what I think. First of all, I think this move tells us a couple things. I don't think Matt Chapman is on the table. And this is also a move that you could say, hey, if Bellinger doesn't sign with the Cubs, then maybe you slot Bush over at first and do kind of a Mervis and Bush battle it out for first base. And then again, go back for Chapman or, or maybe give Morell a chance at third base. The versatility of Bush, even though he's not a great defender, does give you some kind of Hey, is is he the third base 
uh, answer, or is it potentially going to be a battle at third base and first base? And that's kind of the question right now for me is originally I was like, okay, here's our answer to third base. But then you start looking at a lot of the things about this guy. He did kind of get the whole nervous, uh, the, the Mervis treatment this last year where he just did not debut very well. Is it possible that he's a, an amazing triple a player and just not going to make it in the majors? I don't think so because Mervis is not a top 100 guy, right? So there's a lot of doubt behind Mervis. Whereas Michael Bush is a top 50 guy in the prospects according to MLB.com. And for that reason, there's a lot of hope there. And so for that reason, I do believe that he's going to be the opening day third baseman at this point. And the thing about that too, is Ever since Ramos Ramirez, right, we've we had Luis Valbuena, we had Chris Bryant, who really was the third baseman for what three or four years, and then he pretty much was a platoon guy all over the outfield and a little bit of third base. So we haven't really had a staple third baseman for years and years and years. And if a 26 year old could come in, slot himself in at third base, play good enough defense to make that left handed power bat really. Uh, a fan favorite. Once again, I talk about fan favorites a lot, but Aramis Ramirez was a fan favorite because he just was a staple at third base. Can Michael Bush be a staple at third base? We're going to see. Um, what does this mean for Matt Shaw and Christopher Morell and Patrick Wisdom? First of all, I know a lot of you out there are like, I don't really care what happens to Patrick Wisdom because a lot of you are haters on him. And you know what? He had some big hits. He had some big home runs for the Cubs this year. You cannot ignore the power behind Patrick Wisdom's bat. It comes with the strikeout. It comes with not a great defense over at third base, but still, what does this mean for these guys? I think Matt Shaw is not going anywhere. Uh, I think Patrick Wisdom could be traded. I also, uh, you know, now that you see some of these deals going down, we're kind of going back to like, oh, does Morrell now have a chance of getting traded. I think personally that Morrell is going to now be seen as the DH, maybe get some spot starts at third base, first base, and kind of, you know, if Horner goes down, Nico does tend to get hurt every once in a while. Magical gets hurt every once in a while. If guys are struggling, I can see Morrell playing all around again. But the thing about that, if Morrell is slotted at DH, I think Alexander Canario, who in my mind right now was kind of going to be that platoon DH between maybe Mervis and wisdom and Canaro. Now maybe he's the odd man out or wisdom is the odd man out. We'll see which one that is, but with a crowded outfield, it feels like Canario might be that guy who would be the odd man out and a great trade piece to be completely honest with all that power from him as well. But let's wrap things up here because it is late here in Chicago and we need to get to bed because we're getting ready for CubsCon tomorrow. I love this deal, and here's why. Because we've talked about it before, where the Cubs are really in a position, right, of not necessarily being a let's go for it, right? Let's go get that Jason Hayward going into 2016 to fill that one hole that's left over to make this a World Series winner. They're not in that position right now. They're in a position of we still have holes. We have third base, first base, center field is a question mark. Catcher is a question mark. Starting pitching is a question mark. The bullpen's a question mark. Instead of going and locking down a Matt Chapman type over at third base, right, and 18 to 20 million for probably what would be four, five, six years, you get a guy who is going to be crazy affordable because he's just in his first year of service. And now you can say, okay, if this team is looking like, hey, they're in first place going into the trade deadline in July, 
Now let's go for it. Now we've got some room on the payroll to go for it and say, let's get a guy. Um, I don't see them, you know, a lot of fans are probably going to say right now, hey, I think that because they went cheap at third base, cheap, I would say more discount friendly at third base, let's go get a starting pitcher now and get Jordan Montgomery. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to still want to have their, their money used wisely. And at the trade deadline, if this team is pushing for it, I think they go for it. If they're not, if they're kind of middle of the pack, then 2024-25 offseason, you're looking at a true now-let's-go-all-in kind of plan. And that's what's exciting for me. What do you think? I want to know. If you think that Michael Bush is going to be the starting third baseman for the Cubs, if you think they're going to make another big splash this offseason, are they going to get Cody Bellinger? Are they going to get a Jordan Montgomery? Or do you think this means that they are ready to almost closely set their roster with another relief pitcher, maybe another two, number three starter, and then go from there and just know that, hey, it's time to give these prospects a lot of time. It's time to give the Bushes, the PCAs, the uh, Cade Hortons, and all of these guys time to develop and see what happens so that we can now say, okay, these guys are the ones that have shown and proved that they can be at the major league level now that we have that cost affordability with them. Let's go and get a major piece here at the tread deadline or the offseason. What do you think? I want to know. Please comment on this. Uh, we're going to be covering CubsCon. I'm going to be throwing up some content all weekend long. So make sure you're following us on Twitter and also on Instagram. That's where I'm going to be dropping that at SetupManPod. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm going to go put my head on the pillow and put my arm on ice. We'll see you later, Setup Nation.